0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She's a three-time OVA Provincial Champion, a three-time National Champion with Pacman Volleyball Club. She's an OUA Provincial Champion and a U Sports National Champion with Ryerson. She's a two-time OCAA Champion and a CCAA Bronze Medalist with Fanshawe. She's played for the Q2 Panthers in the One Volleyball League and she's currently a Western Mustang. Please welcome to the show Janelle Albert. Janelle, thanks for doing this.
1: Oh, thanks for having me
0: so awesome to get you on the show and hear about your stories and I think people from Ontario will know that your family's really involved in volleyball with what your brothers accomplished and obviously your parents were players too but I'm curious when you were growing up did you play any other sports or was it definitely a volleyball house from the start
1: no actually I started off playing soccer and tennis and that was I played tennis in the winter then soccer in the summer and then I got I played tennis for like three years I think and then Once I was, I think, 11 years old, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go play volleyball now. And I was done with tennis, because we played tennis, or we played volleyball all the time in the backyard with my brothers, my parents. And I just liked it better, so I was like, okay, I'm done with tennis, and now I'm going to go play volleyball.
0: And I'm wondering, in your era, what was the youngest the OVA had? Was it 13-year or 14-year? Like, you were definitely an underager if you started playing when you were 11, right?
1: Yeah, the youngest was 13-year, and then I was a year younger, so I was playing a year up on the 13-year team
0: having a volleyball family like did you always know what club volleyball was or did you just tell your parents you wanted to play volleyball and they took you to a tryout like some people find out a little bit later in life but i was wondering how did you find out that like rep volleyball was a thing
1: well yeah so zach and then my other brother tyler were playing volleyball on the same team and my dad was coaching the team so i was always that like the coach's daughter that was just like at practices shagging, and just like being there so then that's how I knew it was a thing and then when I stopped playing tennis I was like okay I guess I'll do what my older brothers are doing and play club
0: nice nice and obviously you were quite young at that time but do you remember what you enjoyed about volleyball because it's kind of interesting to hear that you were an individual athlete and then go to a team sport so was it the the concept of having teammates and it's a little bit more social or did you like the skills in volleyball and how athletic it could be once you get pretty good at it or or what made you kind of switch sports well
1: honestly with tennis I was I was pretty good at tennis, but I was not good individually and mostly mentally. Like I was kind of, I was a little bit of a rage. So <laughs> so it wasn't working for me. So I kind of had to switch routes and go to a team sport. And then throughout the year, starting at the young age, I had to work actually a lot on my mental side and being more positive. And I think that was actually the great thing of playing on a team sport and what really helped me grow as a player, actually.
0: Nice, nice. And when you think back about your club career, what stands out in your mind about your teams? Because obviously to be an OVA provincial champion is, is a hard thing to do, but to do that multiple times and, and to win multiple national championships, did you guys like to think about expectations and goal setting? Or were you just a bunch of people having fun and you were really good? Like, How did how did the team come together and how would you kind of credit the, the results you were getting?
1: Well, in the younger years, when I played on Georgetown Impact, all those girls that were on my team, or not all of them, but Almost all of them played elementary together. They were all in the same team. They all knew each other. They were all friends. So I think with that team, like those teams for, I think it was three years or four years, that I think it was just, we were all great athletes, but team cohesion, like everyone was friends. Everyone knew each other. Everyone had fun with each other. So with that, it was really just knowing each other the longest and also being great athletes. And then the older years when I switched over to Pac-Man, that, we just had... Some really good athletes like lauren feldman kaylin vork who else i'm sorry like Kristen burns i'm armstrong 18, like we just had all these great players come to Pacman, and it was just so much fun playing with amazing teammates
0: nice nice and obviously he didn't coach you your whole career because as you mentioned he was coaching your brothers but when you have a parent be your coach what was that dynamic like could they could Mike flip the switch and kind of be dad when it was time to be dad and be coach or how is your relationship? Cause I find it interesting in volleyball. A lot of our, our stronger coaches are actually parents
1: and volleyball. It's like when you go to practice, anything with volleyball, it's like, I'm calling him coach. It's, it's coach. Like you're not like, I'm not talking to him about anything on the side. Like it's, I go up to him, I talk about volleyball, like coach to player stuff, nothing really to do with father, daughter. And then, like outside, like when we're not with the team or outside, when we're not at volleyball events, then I could talk to him more as like
0: my dad. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think once you got into volleyball, you were in the whole way because I think your family would, you know, play indoor, but then you'd spend most of your summers on the OVA Beach tour playing at Ashbridges a lot, right? So did you like the enjoyment of going from indoor to beach? Like, was it a nice mental break with the, the sport changing a little bit, or were you just all in on volleyball and you wanted to play it year round?
1: Well, actually, I did not play volleyball year-round. I was playing soccer in the summer and then beach part-time and soccer full-time until I was grade, I think, 10. And then after that is when I did more beach. Yeah, so I wasn't, I did love volleyball and I did want to do it year-round, but I was also like, I loved soccer and I still love soccer, so I couldn't pick them at the time and I needed to do both.
0: Wow, that's super interesting because I think soccer is obviously a very competitive sport, and and depending on the right club, like you can play for a a long time, even year round, I think. So, what did your soccer coaches think about you being a high level athlete in another sport? Like, did you ever have to miss matches or training or even tryouts because indoor volleyball was running into May or you wanted to go to a beach tournament during the summer?
1: Yeah, I did actually have conflict one year with the Ontario Summer Games because my soccer team made the Ontario Summer Games, and I couldn't do the beach for the summer game so I had to try out for beach and then wait and see if my soccer team made it and then once my soccer team made it, I had to tell beach that I couldn't play so there were there's actually been a lot of times where I had to pick between one or tell the coaches but most of the coaches are very understanding and actually want you to play different sports for development as a player
0: nice nice always good to hear that so you, you mentioned a couple players that you play club with and you all entered the same university like uh caitlin and lauren and yourself all chose to go to ryerson so at what point with your club teams did you realize that post-secondary was going to be an option and then what was your recruiting process like to all kind of land with Dustin there at ryerson
1: yeah so all yeah those players went to ryerson i was getting i was recruiting and thinking about where to go in like grade 11 but i also and then obviously grade 12 i didn't really know much and i wasn't I didn't know much about anything so kind of anything any coach told me I kind of just believed and went with it (laughs) and then in grade 12 when I kind of got more serious with it that's when I reached out to or the coach reached out and I reached out to coaches. Um, I really liked Ryerson and Dustin and I talked to a lot of the players in the team because obviously I knew I had Maddie, Tiffany, Lauren, Beltman and Kaylin they all went there and I'll play with them so they had lots of good things to say and They loved the school, volleyball team, coaches, and all that. So I kind of went more off of what they said than anything else. So I felt really comfortable going to Ryerson, and that's kind of why I picked going
0: there. Nice. And before you made your choice, did you consider anybody else? Like, Were you always thinking that you wanted to stay in province, or were you thinking any NCAA or or, uh, any other U sports schools that you would like to go to?
1: At that time, I was very... um, I don't know, It's like scared to go somewhere far, I don't know why. But So I was only thinking of Ontario, and I was thinking of, I was open to any other schools, really. And then I kind of just got convinced, honestly, by those players I played with to go to Ryerson. And I was just like, okay, sure, let's go.
0: <laughs> it's interesting about your cycle that you were doing well at the club level and at nationals, and then you get to university were you just accustomed to winning? Because I think before Ryerson won, there was a pretty big drought in the OUA as far as like an Ontario team doing well at Nationals. Unless, I'm trying to find the right timeline, maybe U of T had just won, but before them there was it was all Canada West or or Laval or somebody coming out of Quebec, right? Where Ontario wasn't doing well. So what was the mood when you got to the OUA? Were you just thinking, uh, I've won at every level, nothing's going to change? Or what was the hype around U sports in Ryerson at that time?
1: Yeah, so... I'm not to say I'm used to winning, but I'm very used to going to the finals. Like I'm in club on my Georgetown Impact and Pacman. I think every single year, but two, we went to the national finals, and then every single year, but like one or two, we went to provincial finals. And with that, I've gone to like I've been starting for all those years, so the like you just become accustomed to going right, and you're so used to the pressure and. What, everything that's on the line, because obviously you love volleyball so competitive and everything's on the line that uh, you just know how to play in it. And going to university, I already had all that experience. So it's almost the same thing, like a little different, but almost the same thing. And to backtrack in club, like I've <laughs> for my own mental state, for my own like experience in finals, I've lost final points at nationals. In two separate years where I literally, one year, it was 15-14 for Durham Attack. And i set the ball out of bounds and lost it for my team. And then two years before that, it was, I think, 14-11 for Durham Attack again. They beat us a lot in club, <laughs> <laughs> in finals. And I served it. I served it out. And then the ball was on the court. So I got to reserve, and I served it out again. So oh, I've lost like final points at nationals and I've had an experience that now in those situations in like my older years and then in uh post-secondary, like I have no fear because I've already lost it for the team before. So now I know I'm just I gotta go for it. I can't believe anything else. I have to go for it.
0: And did the the coaching staff at, at Ryerson really push this this winning mentality? Or because there was people like you on the team who had won was it just a collective thing in the room? Like, I'm always interested in how championship teams come together. So what was the messaging? Was it something you guys talked about? Or was it just this quiet confidence that, like you said, everybody on the roster basically had a resume about them and, and it was kind of the players that drove it? Or was it kind of Dustin driving this message that you guys could do something special and, and win Provincials and win Nationals?
1: I think it's kind of both. Like, for me, I know, like, for the starting line at the end of the year, it was Alicia, who I played with in club, Kaylin and Lauren. I played with in club, like all those three players I've played with, so I know they're just there. It's like business for them. Like they're there to win, they always think they can win. And for me, with them, because I played with them so long, I had to trust playing with them that they were going to do what they're going to do, what they had to do, and I was going to do what I had to do to win. And then you add in uh, Julie Longman and Deanna Vernon, who are fifth years top players, best passer in the league, probably best blocker, Like these great players who also, it's their last years, they're like, okay, I'm ready to win. And then, Lindsay Kluskins, who I did play with before, but she got so much better throughout the year, and she was also just this calm, collected player who was ready to win. So I think it was just all these players who wanted to win and just did what it took, and then you add in the coaching, who, Dustin is a very, like, calm coach and he has that same energy where he's like this is business like we're going out there to win and then all these and it's just vibes that go around and then you feel confident with the players around you to win
0: (laughs) and if you had to look back and remember what was the feeling going into national championships because it is pretty special and pretty cutthroat like you arrive and it's quarterfinals and if you lose you're out like, people hang around and play consolation matches, but the draw just moves forward, right? And you got to win three in a row to take it home. So, with that prep coming off of a provincial championship and scouting one team and really preparing for them, like, what was the emotion around the team, or what was your own mental state going into a national championship at the university level?
1: Well, for me, I'm just going into the nationals, like, okay, let's do this, Let's let's win. Whether... I I've never been, so I didn't know what the competition was like. I don't know how good all these other teams are, so I'm just thinking, let's go, let's win. <laughs> so I don't know if that was maybe a little too confident, but it worked out. And then <laughs> for the team, I, everyone I don't know, I just everyone was so confident in our own ability, our own abilities, and our own skills that it felt like everyone knew that we had a chance to win, whether it was a big chance or a little chance. Everyone just has that anything could happen we could win we aren't talented enough so like we just brought that energy
0: what did championship day feel like for you like did you guys have a routine like did was breakfast at this time you were going to do a video and a meeting at this time or like how do you manage like the long day ahead before you know you're about to play a gold medal match
1: oh I, our team didn't actually have that many <laughs> traditions or anything but we no i think we got up we have breakfast as a team. We go. We went for a like a nice walk to somewhere, like a Tim Hortons. Um, we go over a game tape, and then you just kind of mentally prepare. Everyone watches game tape as the team, and then individually, and then we head to the gym. Like we didn't. Everyone just. I don't know what it was, but our team just had this like mentality of like business, and we are just there for volleyball and to just win awesome but we had that (laughs) yeah
0: that that's that's great to hear so you guys take home a national championship and what went into your decision to transfer schools at that time was that program driven was that uh i guess program would be the biggest thing or you wanted to play volleyball at a different school like what went into your decision to choose to to transfer to fansha at that time
1: yeah so i was at bryson and i was in um okay obviously that's bryson but (laughs) i was in um food and nutrition at the beginning of the year And I think, like, two weeks in, I was like, I hate this. I do not like this at all. And so then I went into – I was just in electives after that. So I was in electives the whole year. And then, unfortunately, I probably wouldn't have been able to transfer into the business program. So I decided, like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else and then pursue business because that's what I wanted to do. And then Fanshawe had the business program I wanted, which is business marketing, and then they had – Obviously, a good team. Megan Morelli, Danielle Grassman was coming back. And then I talked to Sean, and Sean, and we just had a lot of conversations back and forth. And he was, I had never had him before, but I liked what he was saying, and I liked his mentality and the things he said. So then I chose to go to Fanshawe and pursue my program there.
0: Nice, nice. And obviously, I think school was a big part of that decision. But what was the, the volleyball like? Because obviously, coming from the best university program, you guys take home a national championship where college can be a little bit of a lower level. Like obviously people aren't there as long uh, club players tend to go the university route more than the college. Like I, I don't think I'm saying anything offside as a guy who used to coach in the OCAA. So what was your first impression of, of the league play? Cause obviously you mentioned a couple of people on your team. You guys had a very strong team, but was there a little bit of a letdown from playing in the OUA to going to the OCAA and it could be team dependent, but what did you think of the level of play?
1: Yeah, the level of play was a lot lower than at university, and also when you're on one of the top college teams, you're also the level of play is even lower because you're kind of killing other teams when you play them. So it was tough. It was tough transition to go from the best team in the country to into college, but there's a lot of benefits with obviously getting a new a different coach and different perspectives. Like, I, can, I learned all these things from Dustin, and then I get to learn all these things from Sean. But the, yeah, it was definitely a big drop-off. But for me, what was great is that I, being, now that I was one of the top players on the team, I got to do more, get set more, and, like, lead the team in a different way. So it did help with my development in a lot of different ways than it did at Ryerson and playing in the OUA.
0: Nice, nice. And one thing that I always enjoyed about the OCAA was just... People get hyped up for a lot of different situations. Like it's a pretty emotional league, at least it was on the men's side. But I'm wondering on the women's side, because when you arrived, Humber had this dynasty where it felt like every year they had won provincials for who knows, call it 10 years. So were you aware uh, of the the volleyball scene before you transferred to the OCAA? Like did you inherit this rivalry or were you just kind of taking it day by day and you're like, oh, I I, we don't like these guys. Like we're we're about to play them. Like were you learning on the go or did you did you kind of know what the league was about?
1: Um, no, I didn't really know what was going on. I obviously hear a lot of stories when you join the team about this team, that team, this player, that player. Um, I just I had no idea what was going on, so I'm just going game by game. I don't really care much what's what people have issues or whatever. But yeah, I obviously heard, and I already knew before about Humber and how good they were and how they've won so many times in a row. So obviously, my goal right now into I was like, okay, I'm gonna beat Humber. Like that's <laughs> that's what I gotta do because. They've been winning too much, so I got to beat them. And so that was our team's goal right off the bat, because right in our first meeting, like, what's our goal this year? And I was like, okay, we're going to beat Humber. But then, of course, St. Clair beat them before we could, which was a huge bummer, but we still beat them after, but that was kind of (laughs)
0: disappointing. Oh, I didn't remember that part. Okay, so they they didn't even make it on the draw. Okay, because... um yeah, I'm looking it up right now. They won from 2007 all the way to the end of the 2017 18 season. So, for you guys to take it down, that was the first time a non Humber team had won in a decade. But I forgot, yeah, you didn't get the head to head battle that I'm sure everybody was looking forward to.
1: Yeah, because we were so excited to be the team to beat them. And then we were playing, the week. St. Clair played them, and we were playing the next week. But then St. Clair beat them, and they got the huge they ended the dynasty. And so our team was
0: like, oh, well, we just wanted to do that so bad. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And again, just looking at championship teams, how did Sean Pello like to manage that? Like, were you guys putting it on the whiteboard in the team room? Was it something you talked about that like, we're going to win a provincial championship this year? Or was it more again, the team, like talking about Danielle Grassman and uh, Megan Morelli was on that squad and some other talented players. Like, well, again, was it player driven or was the coach kind of driving these expectations?
1: It was kind of both. We have There's um, we have meetings with like a psychologist, like a sports psychologist, Sean, and then team. So with the sports psychologist, we kind of we make goals and we do all this mental training. And with him, we made long term goals. And it was it was actually to go seventeen and one for the season, win provincials, and then medal at nationals. So our goals were pretty accurate. Um, and then what's, so then we show those goals to Sean, and then Sean sees if that's what's good for the team. And obviously, at the beginning of the year, we don't we know we're good, but we don't actually know how good we'll be, right? So the goals are kind of some people are into it, some people aren't. But when he asked what the team wants, me and Maggie Morelli right away are just like, "We're winning provincials, we're meddling nationals." Other players are like, "Oh, like I don't know, like maybe we could, maybe we couldn't, but." like me and Megan Morelli really had to (laughs) kind of convince some players, like, no, we can do this, like we can win. And then halfway through the season, everyone was on board and everyone's like, okay, we're winning Provincials, okay, we're going to medal at Nationals.
0: So with someone like Megan, who was a Provincial team athlete, I think her four City team, they definitely medaled at Provincials, if not, I think they won maybe in their 16 year year, and yourself coming along. I'm just curious, why wasn't the goal to win Nationals? Why was the goal to win Provincials and then medal at Nationals? Was, was Nationals just an unknown because you don't know what the other conferences are doing? Or or why did that goal not be pretty black and white, we're going to win both?
1: I don't know, that's tough. Like For me, I would right away I'm like, okay, let's win Nationals. But it's hard when not everyone believes that to just say that. Because you also don't want lofty goals that people they can't they feel that aren't attainable. So saying I think let's medal, help players like grasp that we can get far and that we can do it, but also not feel like it's an impossible goal to reach. But um yeah, Megan Morelli was she's was, Megan Morelli's more like me, like she's like that super competitive, like let's win everything. And she was also on the like let's win nationals page. So it was just finding a compromise with the level of players because obviously not everyone in college is at that super competitive let's win everything kind of personality
0: yeah yeah I think that's a a fair statement and I don't think it's it's bad-mouthing anybody where I think people are there because they enjoy volleyball and they're passionate about it but I don't think not everyone in the OCAA has a goal of playing for the national team where at least you and Megan had been provincial team athletes and had played a high level where maybe there was a step beyond where I think sometimes in the OCAA it's just they want to compete and play at the highest level while they're following other goals in their life. But uh, I really liked your answer there. And I'm wondering how, how did you guys as the leaders help everybody stay connected to those goals? Because I think that's, that's the funny thing that if we were to walk into Eddie club practice right now, you could say, Hey, he wants to win provincials. And I'm sure every team would be like, Oh yeah, we're going to win provincials. I'd love to, but how many people can actually like stay connected to that goal and understand like the work it's going to take. So when you guys are saying things like we had to convince people we could do it, like what goes into those steps and how did you boil it down to like this daily task or weekly task with the squad?
1: Yeah. So it's lots of in practice. We were, we're always like trying to push players and, you know, make them better. Cause sometimes, you know, like you said, like not everyone's there to, you know, play the hardest they can, you know, love volleyball as much as other players do so it's it's constantly like trying to push each other and almost like sometimes take breaks and be like hey guys remember why we're here it's because we want to get better because we also we want to win not win provincials and then medal at nationals and it's having those small meetings with the team reminding them and and like That actually really worked because then obviously, like I said, like halfway through the season, everyone's bought it. Everyone's like, wow, we're actually a really great team. We can do this. So then it became easier later in the season when everyone realized that we can reach those goals we had.
0: And I'm just curious, the following year after you do complete those goals, like you win provincials and you take a bronze at nationals, did the goal then shift to winning both because you had experience, you had a taste of what it was actually going to be like at a CCAA, like semifinal and final, or... Or was the goal still to take down the OCAA and medal at Nationals?
1: It was tough. It was tough year at the beginning of the year because we did lose two of our or three. Because uh, Jacqueline Coulter, who played at Camosun for a couple of years before, when they were really good, she, she tore ACL at Nationals the year before. And then Megan Morelli was gone, our captain, and then our starting left side. And then Danny Grassman, our top middle, was gone. So it was kind of a – it's hard for the team to – you know, kind of bounce back when these players that we all kind of look up to and, like, love playing with and who did so well on the court, it's hard to for them to go. But then we had all these other players, like Kiana on right side, step up and play really well. Um, Matea come back in the middle. Tarn, Lauren Farmer on left side. So it was great. So our goals, um, our goals became... More like bigger, kind of later in the season, because all these new players that had to fill these positions from other players who are gone, they got more confident, and felt like they could do really well in the course. So our goals actually were to win provincials, and I'm not sure it was kind of eh, about nationals again. But then later in the season, we were, it was the same thing. It was to medal at nationals. It wasn't it again wasn't to get gold. <laughs>
0: And I'm wondering how you like to carry yourself because uh, obviously the volleyball community is pretty small and your name sticks out. So when you arrive in the OCAA, are you in your own mind thinking you have to carry yourself? Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a club provincial and national champion. I just won uh youth sports provincial and, and national championships. Like, do you then have to carry yourself? Like, oh, there's Janelle Albert and everybody knows who you are. Or how did you find fitting in with your teammates and the level of league? Because I think – people have certain expectations for players who have achieved what you have right so were you aware of like the outside noise or how do you like to kind of carry yourself when you're meeting new teammates or playing against people you've never played against in a different league like little things like that
1: um well with me and my teams it's or i tr- i try to make it a priority to you know talk to everyone be friends with everyone and then like build those relationships so that you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what people are thinking. I know what you're saying, but I don't know what people think. So, you know, just making sure that there's that, like, open relationship where they don't feel intimidated by me. Well, actually, I do know what they think. They usually tell me later on that, oh, Janelle, I was so intimidated you at first, but now you're cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks. So, actually, I do get that. They say I'm very intimidating at first. And... A lot of times they say I don't smile, which I do smile. So I don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, so I try to build those connections with players so that they don't feel that I'm intimidating. And then when I play against other teams, um, that's that's tough because I'm really just focused on winning. So I don't really pay attention to anything else. Really, so I don't know what other players on other teams are thinking or doing. Really,
0: just help me out with the the timeline. I'm trying to think when you got an opportunity to play one volleyball, and I think it was. Was it at the the summer of your 18U year when you first arrived and got to play in that league? Or when was your first experience in the one league?
1: Yeah, I started playing in, yeah, the year before I went to Ryerson. So in between 18U and my first year.
0: And what was that experience like? Because you're playing against people who've played pro, people who've played at the highest level, like... Uh, jackie ellis and some other players stand out in the league like i got to coach with unity one year and we had becky pavin who's one of the best players in my opinion in canada like there's so many good players in that league what was your first impression were you just too young to kind of know who some of these players were or were you looking up to some of these athletes
1: yeah i um well at first on my team like carla was like the greatest like she was like oh my gosh like I'm playing with such an amazing player. like she's so good, and she was she was intimidating. like she's like so competitive, such a good player. And like it was so fun to play with her because she had that same energy that I kind of had where it was like all business and you just wanted to win. and then um, on um the other teams, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of young. I didn't really know what was going on <laughs> to be honest. I didn't even know what this league really was. So I didn't really know many players, and then slowly throughout the league, I started to, you know, clue into how great these players are, what they've done, what they've achieved, and then that once I started to learn those things, I was like, wow, like, this is kind of awesome, and I get to play with all these great players.
0: And the league, I, I think they do a great job with with hyping it up and kind of showcasing players. But really, at the end of the day, I think we were all training once a week and then playing once a week. So I'm wondering, just just playing at that level help you improve for your school season, or how did you feel coming out of the one league and going back into either college, or university? Like, how did your game improve? Was it just the level of competition, or was there actually opportunities to learn and improve during the summer as well?
1: Yeah, I joined a little late to the summer, like a few weeks because. I took someone's spot who got hurt, but um, it was really good because I got to play with. Like, I can improve my hitting a lot because I had Carla, who's like setting me like amazing. And then also, I was playing. The biggest thing that helped me was playing against these massive blocks because in club I only rarely get to play against huge blockers. So it was really hard at first because I was getting blocked straight down very often. So then, that's the biggest thing i learned going into university because when i got to university i realized that i can't just try and bounce and hit down i have to hit high hands deep and find creative ways to score
0: and in your opinion is that something just an athlete has to go through before they fully understand because obviously with with your dad's experience and some of the other coaches you've had I'm sure somebody told you when you were younger, you have to hit high and deep and you have to make these shots. But until you're facing a block who's like up there with you, right? Like, is that when you finally get that aha moment? Or why do you think it takes so long for athletes to click, like going from club to university, that that's like the big wow moment?
1: Well, like it's in club, like when you're, it's kind of easy to, not easy to score, but you're playing against people who aren't like amazing blockers or or haven't been trained that well in blocking. So there's always like these seams to score or line to score. Like you don't really have to hit off hands, like maybe at 18 you, But before that, you don't really have to hit off hands. Tips score kind of easily. So it's you don't really have to do anything too special in club. And then all of a sudden, yeah, one league, I needed to experience playing against these massive players to understand that what I was doing in club is not going to work anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, another area of your game that I've always really respected was just your serve. And I'm curious how you developed that. Cause you've mentioned, you know, your mental prep that you're coming from tennis and you come into volleyball and, and you like being in those tough situations. And you can remember, like I'm sure in, in exact detail, some of those match points that you maybe feel responsible for in, in club, but going back to the service line and having the ability to take over a set, like obviously you have to be confident and know you're going to get it done. So I'm just curious what went into developing that skill because not only were you doing it in school ball but I think in the one league you would go on runs against like some top level passers right so when did you learn that skill and when did when and how did you start to gain confidence in it?
1: well since I was young I was taught how to I was obviously taught how to serve like by my dad and I practiced it a lot but I'd always go back when I went back to serve all I'm, like what I would tell myself sometimes or how I gained the confidence was really that I tell myself that like I'm a great server and I'm here to score. So anytime I went to the back line, like I know I'm gonna get it in. I know that this is gonna be a good serve. And then that confidence and like whether it's true or not, telling myself that created that confidence. So now when I go to the back line, I just and I guess whether it's a good serve or not, I just know in my head that this is gonna be a great serve and this is gonna put the other team in a really difficult situation.
0: Nice, nice. And be honest, I I'm curious, I have my own theories on this. <laughs> is the molten ball easier to spin serve? Like when you went to the one league or into the CCAA, cause I think they switched the ball right around when you were there. Is it a little bit easier to snap on than say the Mikasa that the OUA plays with?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's easier, but I think it's just cause it goes a little faster. And Yeah. I, I just think it's easier, but it's not like a crazy difference unless I would say you're like a really, unless you're like in guys where you're serving like super, super hard. <laughs>
0: nice nice and i'm just curious again while we have in the show would be a missed opportunity if we weren't talking to like ocaa player of the year about uh, skills on the left side i'm just curious what did you feel like your servicey responsibility was because i think even at ryerson you were taking a pretty big chunk of the court and obviously in club you were too so again when did you develop that skill and how did you gain confidence in that thinking that like i'm going to pass half the court right now and i'm not going to freak out and i want to get served i want to be targeted like all the things that go into being a good passer
1: yeah it's I guess it's the same thing with my serving, like, I always tell myself, like, I'm a great passer, I want it to come to me, and I know this is going to be a perfect pass. Whatever happens, I don't know, but that always gives the confidence that I'm going to make a great pass, and I, honestly, I just always tell myself that kind of in any skill, and it just builds confidence and more confidence, and then you just also get better and better at that skill. Um, Yeah, Ryerson, it was, Ryerson was tough, though, because that's the first time I had to do, like, a two-man pass, but because I'm beside, like, Julie Longman, who's, like, insane passer, her passing gave me more confidence because she was so good, so that was awesome, and then doing that all the time, you get used to the two-man pass, and then, um, at Fanshawe, I was actually, had great passers beside me again, which also helps, Makes me feel confident. I had Megan Morelli, amazing passer, and then my libero, Lauren Raycraft. Also, like, top passer I've ever played with. Like, awesome. So, it's also, like, playing against other players who are confident pastors makes it easier for me to pass as well.
0: Remind me, who was the other left side at Ryerson who had the dream job that they got to play front row left side and not have to serve receive too much of the court? (laughs)
1: Lauren Beltman.
0: (laughs) Nice. I'm sure Um, she loved that.
1: she, She, okay. To give credit to Lauren, any time the ball went to her, she would do a really good pass. So even though she did a small area, she did top-quality passes when they went to her.
0: Absolutely. And credit to her, I think she played middle her whole club career. So to transfer positions at the university level for somebody who didn't get many service reps in competition, it was actually a pretty amazing job she did.
1: Yeah, like I've played with Lauren Beltman since grade 5 because we went to the same elementary and high school. So I've been playing with her all of club, all of elementary, all of high school. And she's, like, gone so much better. And with that, I think what made it good for her and easier for her to become such an amazing left side was that in, uh, in high school, me and her were, like, passing the whole court. She was hitting, like, everywhere. She was doing so much. So she's already had a lot of skill and talent on left side. And then at Ryerson, she just took all that and excelled, like, crazy.
0: Do you remember the first time Dustin told you you guys were going to do a two-person service eve and what you thought? Or, like, how did you ease into it? Because, like you said, it it normalized after a while and you gained some confidence. But I'm just wondering, when did that conversation come up? And, like, how do you react to it? Like, who's calling Seam? How much is Julie taking? Obviously, she was a vet at that time and pretty confident. Like, I'm just – it's a pretty bold move that paid off, I think.
1: This is kind of random. But it was early in the year, and we were doing this drill where you had to – you had two passers together and then a serve on the other team. And then if you did, like, a perfect pass, you stayed. And then if you didn't, you were out. And me and Julie were partners just for some reason. It was early. We didn't really know who was good and whatever, or like, at passing and whatever. So then we were partners and we were doing this drill. And it was me and her, a two-man pass, the whole court. And we stayed on that side the whole time. Like, three games in a row, we won, like, every time. And I remember... Justin didn't say anything, but he was behind us watching, and I just know he was thinking that this is the way to go. So it was close after that happened that, and then when Lauren transitioned to the left side, that he was just like, okay, like this is what's gonna happen with you guys passing. And me and Julie were like, right away, we're like, yep, because both of us wanted, we're so competitive, we wanna do as much as we can, we both wanna pass, we wanna. Do everything we can to make the team better so right when that challenge came up we we're like yep let's do it i want to start right
0: away and was there any server or type of server that could really disrupt this like i'm thinking you guys had a lot of success with it but i'm thinking in the oua everybody's serving these laser beam float serves that you didn't really get a lot of spin serves right so it's just kind of repping out what you're going to expect and obviously with some game planning but was there anything that caused a little bit of stress or were you guys honestly just in rhythm every time and it really normalized the more reps you got at it
1: yeah, there were times, of course, where we struggled and times where it was kind of not going so well. A lot of times when those situations happen, we usually bounce back after a couple points or maybe after a timeout. But I found it at, the, at Nationals it was a lot harder because the girls are all bigger and they're serving a lot harder. So that made the two-man a little more difficult. But what really helped our team was that we had such a great offense. So when we were passing bad, like, our out system we could side out pretty consistently, so we could get out of that rotation even if we were struggling.
0: Yeah, I think as you look back on that roster, it was a good move by the coaching staff because I think it got a lot of talent on the floor because you mentioned Lindsay in the middle and uh, Tiana was your other middle, right? So to get Lauren on the court as well versus, like, just being one of those middles has to sit I think was a good move. And obviously, Lauren had the skills to play on the outside. I think it just made your offense that much better having so much talent on the court at once.
1: Yeah, for sure. And having Lauren knock pass was great too because she went out and she scored so often and I think taking the stress off of passing helped her score even more by just focusing on hitting.
0: Nice nice so just to jump forward so you you did the Ryerson thing you went to Fanshawe you played one volleyball in the summers and now you've landed at Western so I'm wondering was that always in the plan to take your your college credits back to university or how did the decision to attend Western come about?
1: Well. Yeah, after I was done at or getting close to done at Fanshawe in my second year, I was my goal, like my career goal, is really to be a university coach. So, and I know that to be a university university coach, I need a degree. So, I was like, okay, I need to go somewhere and get a degree. And then I was also like, I also want to play volleyball, so I'm gonna go somewhere where I can get my degree and I can play volleyball again. And I'm already living in London. I like London a lot and. Obviously, and then obviously, I have Western, great team, great coaches, great school right beside me. So I was like, okay, this is perfect opportunity for me to get back into university and play volleyball and then get my degree at the same time.
0: Nice. And what were some of the early conversations with uh, Coach Melissa Bartlett about jumping onto the squad? Like, was she just ecstatic to get the the random email saying you were interested in coming?
1: <laughs> um Well, we actually played Western. Like when, when I was at Fancho we played Western ever so often for scrimmages and practices so I would see her and she asked me one time I think it was in my first year at Fanshawe like if I was doing anything after if I wanted to go back to university and I was like I have no idea so I don't know and then in my second year at Fanshawe I emailed her and asked if I could come for a visit and she was like yeah for sure so I went for a visit I liked everything I heard and I liked what she had to say so it's kind of like An easy transition for me to pick western
0: now obviously the the whole world is kind of on pause here and i know you and i were talking before the show that you guys actually are back at training which is super exciting but i'm wondering what was the squad doing when when the world was on pause were you guys doing zoom calls or were you just kind of disconnected from volleyball like how was up until this point like feeling a part of the varsity team like what were you guys doing uh just to try to stay connected
1: we actually had um well, at the very beginning, when we are about to maybe start practicing, we had um, some workouts outside at, at Western, and then when that kind of got shut down, we ha- we've been having uh, positional Zoom meetings every week, and then uh, team Zoom meetings, and then there's also been, like, these challenges, weekly challenges um, that we do as a team to stay connected, and yeah, so we've actually been, like, very connected with each other every week, and we get emails and Zoom stuff from Melissa
0: very frequently, actually. Nice, nice, and and hopefully Melissa doesn't you know get mad at you for sharing any secrets. But I'm wondering what goes into a positional meeting uh, when you guys have it on Zoom because I'm sure some club coaches are listening. Going, you know, if our practices get shut down, we got to find a way to keep everybody connected. So when you're on Zoom and you're talking about left sides, is she showing clips of like what she wants the system to look like? Are you looking at some of your old game footage to kind of give feedback to yourself, or or what's going into these meetings just to keep? know athletes engaged and and fired up and and still feel like you're kind of building towards something
1: um yeah so we she'll show like different types of sets and different types of approaches for left sides and she'll show like videos of team usa left sides or um like stanford coaches talking about it and then as a group like we talk about how we can achieve this why this is good why coaches choose to pick this and we really go into depth about how like how each player on our team can do the most even though we're not these like six five girls touching like ten five. like what we can do to be the best and we also talk about um like mental training so like how we can stay composed on the court or what what would you do if it was 24 all and you got the set and how to stay calm basically like any part of the game we talk about it. we go into depth and we really pinpoint what we need to do and how we can achieve it
0: awesome awesome yeah thanks for sharing that i'm just curious what are some of these team challenges because again some, i'm sure some coaches listening are looking to steal some good ideas so what what are some more of the the fun ones that you would recommend that uh if you're an athlete of any age some of this stuff would be pretty fun to be around your team even though you're not allowed in the gym or things like that
1: um <laughs> well I guess some things we do, like, over Zoom, we are doing, like, different, we are literally on Zoom, and we are doing different approaches and um, transition and blocking footwork and steps over Zoom as a team and working on it and asking questions and seeing how we could do it better. We, um, we've had it where, like, we'll get everyone to have a volleyball on, we'll, you know, like, bump against a wall, do different, um, like, with one arm or, like, on your knees and do different um, ways of that. Yeah, just kinda anything you could we could do at home. We try to do over Zoom and hopefully even if it's active or moving around, we try to get it done.
0: Nice. And you mentioned practices are back on this week. So how fired up were you to put your shoes on and actually go to the gym for the first time?
1: <laughs> um it's like a love hate. Like I was really excited, but at the same time I'm like, this is gonna be really rough. Like it's been like six months of no volleyball. So it was, it was exciting and a little bit scary, but it was so much fun. It was a little difficult with the masks on, but something to get used to, of course. And the whole team couldn't be there. It was only like, we could only have, I think, 12 at the gym. So that was a little different. It's getting used to like only practicing with certain positions or only having, like today there was no middles there or no middles or right sides there. So it's kind of weird to not have the whole team there, but It's challenges that are good, and we're getting used to it.
0: And I'm just curious, did all the the workout stuff you were doing, do you feel like that transfers? Or does anything really not prepare you for having to, like, jump and attack a ball? Like, I'm wondering some of the skills that would go cold the fastest. Like, were your arms red after practice, after passing a few balls? Like, what were some little things that you're kind of like, man, I used to be really good at this, and now it's kind of rattling?
1: Even just my first, we were just passing back and forth with a partner, and it was like not going to my partner and I was like what is going on here it was horrible but like as I was like as the practice went on like all the all the skills that don't involve jumping so were like fine like passing was okay and defense was okay hitting was not good like jumping was a struggle was not happening so it was good that she didn't do very much hitting this practice so but yeah it takes a bit to get back into it and We all really felt it today, and we all really felt out of shape.
0: And and what is the mood around the squad? Obviously, a disappointing decision, but I think it is the right decision that the the OUA and U Sports had to kind of step in and say uh, enough's enough. We just don't have a schedule. We're going to call it here. But is there going to be an opportunity to play exhibition matches, or maybe if the provincial regulations get loosened a little bit, you can have more than twelve players and you can kind of just do inter squad stuff? Like, has there been any hints, or is everybody just kind of in this wait and see because you you really don't know what's going to happen week to week?
1: Yeah, it's very wait and see every week. Melissa emails us on like the Monday or the Sunday and she'll say like, okay, this is the plan for this week. It could change, it could be something completely different, it might happen, might not. So every week is just a coin flip. We have no idea if it's gonna happen or not. Even like the day before this practice, we're like, okay, like if this practice doesn't happen, like they'll just have to go on Zoom. Like, but everyone everyone's been like very positive about it and everyone understands that this had to happen the people that obviously take it the hardest would be our like fifth years or graduating fourth years because you know
0: they can't have that last year that last hurrah as a varsity athlete yeah i'm just wondering for you personally like are you going to be at western for a couple years because obviously you've you've used some years of eligibility but you probably have enough to finish uh your degree and still play is that correct
1: yeah so i have My schooling, my program is three years. I'm hoping to get it done in two years with some summer school and stuff. So I'm hoping, I do have two years of eligibility, um, but obviously this year doesn't count. So I was originally going to play like this year and then next year and use my last two. Um, But I'm still probably only going to play this year and next year and then be done with varsity.
0: And if you looked ahead, like you did mention that you want to get into coaching, like would you pursue possibly a pro indoor career? Would you ever come back to the beach or do you think that like playing at the university level, that's going to be good enough and then you're going to try to get into coaching right away?
1: Um, I do want to play uh, professional volleyball like after my, after next year. Um, That's kind of my hope at the moment. I'm not sure. Anything now that Corona happened, anything I guess could happen. So I'm not really (laughs) sure what the future holds. But my hope is to play pro overseas, and then my other hope would be to make the national team. But that's also unknown. So
0: (laughs) good. Well, it it sounds like you're you're doing what you can every day. Like you said, we're we're all dealing with this, and it it is an unknown every day. And some stuff might happen, and it might not. But it just it sounds like you're doing everything you can. That if that moment does present itself, you're going to be prepared, which is Great to hear, and we got to learn about your career and, and finally connect and get you on the show. And just one thing we're we're making a tradition is just to end the show with a funny story. So everybody's learned that you've got to play at the highest level, and you're still achieving things in your career. But th- there has to be something funny or out of the ordinary that volleyball's given you because our, our sport is just full of odd or quirky moments. So it's hoping you could leave us with a funny story before we let you go.
1: Okay. Um. Okay. So I was at this is when I was at Bryerson, and I was at the Miami Athletic Center. And it was, there's a couple of girls with us, like, chilling before practice. Um, so me and my friend on the volleyball team, Maddie, um, we are like, okay, we're so bored. We're like, okay, let's go walk somewhere and do something, whatever. So we go to, like, the hockey arena, and we find, and we just go down, down these, like, we go to this random door, and we just go in it. And we go down, like, five or six flights of stairs. It just keeps going. It's dingy. No one's there. It's, like, dirty and gross. But we just keep going for some reason. I don't know why and, like, we get even lower, and there's, like, and we could see into, like, Loblaw's um, storage, like, we could get, there was doors, we could see Loblaw's storage of all the food, we couldn't get in, it was locked, but, and we kept going, and we get to the bottom, and then we're in the, the parking garage, like, the one under Matami, and we go out this door, and, like, the alarms go off like crazy, so loud. Like, I couldn't even hear Maddie. We're right beside each other. It's, like, so loud. There's, like, red lights, and we're, like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is going on? So we literally, we just ran. We sprinted away. We went back into the Me, back to varsity, and we're, like, I hope no one saw us. I hope we don't get in trouble. We don't know what we did, but we got away. <laughs> we didn't get in trouble. But it was kind of scary when the alarms were going off
0: so loud. That's awesome. Yeah, for any of our listeners who don't remember, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens is now the Madame Lee Athletic Center. And I mentioned there's some cool little corners of the building because I think (laughs) what's cool about the arena is they kept the original roof. So it actually feels like you're in Maple Leaf Gardens. So there's like got to be some cool old stuff or like you said, these random staircases that go to nowhere. So it'd be funny to have more varsity athletes on the show and just talk about all the weird stuff you guys have found when you're just wandering around killing time in there. (laughs) yeah awesome well thanks for for coming on the show and sharing all that you did and and best of luck it's exciting to hear that you guys are back in the gym and hopefully things continue to improve and maybe uh people will get to watch you play in an exhibition game or some sort of format this year but uh we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for that but but for now thanks again for coming on and, and best of luck with everything else you've got going on
1: well thank you very much for having me